This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Mina, welcome to the platform. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, and I'm really excited about like I'm I'm usually like always excited about sure. conversations, but um, I'm even more excited about things that I personally don't much don't know much about. All right. Um, All right. You've experienced some things personally that I just haven't experienced. It. I think many people. Um, probably personally don't even have a lot of proximity to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, that's why I think this conversation is gonna be super important, informative, mm -hmm. but also to hear it mm -hmm. from somebody that has experienced it and mm -hmm. be able to take us and myself through the journey and how mm -hmm. that plays into your work mm -hmm. and everything. So uh, thank you. Of course, of course. Uh, frankly, I'm honored. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, man. yeah. There's a lot of impressive people to me that come on here. So hopefully I live up to it. Well, you now you're a part of the list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so just tell us a little bit about like, like who Mina is, uh, your upbringing, um, um, and kind of how that like in, uh, influenced a little bit of like, you know, who you, who you are. Sure. Yeah. So I, I always tell people, um, I, so I moved here to Nashville when I was a one or two. Okay. Obvi obviously I don't remember. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're, from, you're from here. You're from here. I always like to get it out there. Some people draw issue with it, no, but I want here. to, I want to make sure that I, I make the caveat. Um, so yeah, I grew up here. Um, and I, uh, you know, both of my parents, uh, well, I should say my father and mother moved down here. I have a sister, um, grew up and my father worked in the music business. Uh, my mother stayed at home and yeah, it was, uh, it was, I was about to say a good upbringing. It was, a, it was an interesting upbringing, which is a, a very, a loaded term for right. the most part. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, you know, went to school here. I went to college in Knoxville, came back here. And it's so interesting because like when I was in high school, I was like, oh my God, Nashville. Like, I don't think like I want to live here for the rest of my life. Like there's not that much going on. And keep in mind, this was like 2010. Right. So, um, and if you remember, there was a giant flood that happened, I believe in 2009, it might've been 2010. It was 2010. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure. Um, and that truly like just, it, it really changed everything in Nashville. I truly, I draw a lot of the change that's going on right now, whether it be the gentrification, the expansion, everything like that. Um, to that flood. Um, and I went off to college, went there for four years, came back and, you know, I would come back in the summers and things would be right. a little different here and there. And when I was in high school, like I was like, I don't want to live here because it's not that many folks my age. I didn't know what I would do for work. And I mean, I don't know what I would want to do for work now, um, <laughs> despite the fact that I have a job. Um, but, uh, I graduated and when I came back here, I, was like everything was different. Like there was a whole bunch of new people here. Yeah. There was like new businesses, new restaurants, new opportunities. There was all sorts of development going on. And I was like, well, let me, I guess, give it a shot here and I'll keep going. And then, you know, I stayed here ever since. And I, I'm glad that I did because I, I really, really love this city. Like, of course, every city has issues and that includes Nashville, but I love, I love living here. In Nashville, I love living in the South, in mm -hmm. the Southeast. It's it's better than any other place I've visited in the country, frankly. Um, and I have decided 
to stay as, as, as much as uh, Tennessee will have me. And yeah, so I started to, I started, I guess, what one might call a career. Um, and, you know, had an office job. It was fine. Ended up uh, moving to a different office job and mm -hmm. still have that office job. And um, during that time, a uh, couple things happened. Um, <laughs> in 2016, I joined the Democratic Socialists of America in October of 2016. Okay. Um, and then following that in December of 2016, uh, me and a bunch of... Uh, scruffy socialists all met in a bar and were like, what do we do? Because everything seems so different with Trump getting elected and like we have to do something and, um, you know, that we have to do something sort of mentality can right. be good and bad. And then we just decided, well, you know, we're all in DSA, let's try and start this. And then we've been here forever since. So in, in December, it will be, I guess, our six-year anniversary as a chapter, which is really exciting. Um, I, so I, I guess that makes me a founder of the chapter. Yeah, I uh, currently sure. serve on our elected leadership. I am on the steering committee. I am the chair of membership. Uh, in the past, uh, we also have a national organization. So that's what I mean when I joined DSA. Um, it's currently 90,000 members strong all across the country, chapters in every single state, wow. um, with, you know, growing every single day, which is really nice. Um, and yeah, I've, I've served, served on leadership. We've had just a ton of growth and expansion mm -hmm. and projects and change. And it's been a wonderful thing to be a part of. And then Obviously, one of the things that I put on here is that I transitioned. So back in, oh, let me, so back in 2018 is when I started transitioning. I believe it was March of 2018. And just for like clarity, transitioning mm -hmm. from you was given, you was assigned male. I was assigned male at, at birth, birth, and then I transitioned. Uh, I transitioned. I'm a trans woman. I, I prefer to just call myself a woman. The trans part's not terribly important to me. Okay. Um, but I do leverage it a lot in, to get into some spaces where I can talk on podcasts. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, look, look. Or give speeches or whatever. But I do have to say before you start, I, I because you already know that I listen to the podcast. Right. And I listen to some of the ones where you talk to people like Gert and who is a very good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember like you asking this question or expressing not very much a frustration, but like a desire to be like, I wish there was a trans person or like a place where I could ask questions where mm -hmm. there wouldn't be judgment or wouldn't be like, you know, somebody like jumping down your throat. Mm -hmm. And buddy, I'm here. I'm here Look, to answer your questions, and and I am more than happy. Let's get, let's just dig our hands down in the mud. And Nina, I'm so glad that you said that because I, I was going to have them. I'm going to have them anyway, regardless. But, but <laughs> regardless, but um, because I don't whether people want to admit it or not. Sure. Right. Um. Like it could, it could be a scary thing, um, especially. Um, how you may see other people that may identify with your gender sure. are treated when they do ask something and mm -hmm. not intentionally trying to be like harmful, of but course. they just don't know. And exactly. terminology could, could get lost. And mm -hmm. um, I know Gert, like for example, and like Brianna, like they, they corrected me on several times, sure. like because sure. like it's a learning environment. I don't mind because I want to make sure yeah. like I'm not. 
unintentionally harming. You don't want to be rude. And I want to be rude and, and all of, and all of those things, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so thank you. It's going to be another masterclass for myself and others. <laughs> I, well, I, I won't. I won't call myself an expert, but I do have one of the most loathsome terms that I have uh, that I hear these days is lived experience. Yes. Yeah, well, and it's true. It's, it's true. Yeah. But you know, I uh, there's you know there's a ton of mixed conceptions, and I try to be right. like as uh, as gentle or as respectful that I can because mm-hmm. did you grow up knowing a transgender person? I did not. Exactly. Especially a lot of folks in the South with like a lot of like ingrained conservatism or homophobia. Even if you grew up in a liberal, like mm-hmm. a liberal family, like that's not something a lot of people experience. There are 4% of people within the United States that was pulled back in 2016 that identified as something like transgender, non-binary, all these right. sorts of things. So that's a small population. Right. And of course, you may not know that somebody is, or you may not know because they were, you know, they, it happened later in life. So I try to be as, as gentle as possible because I have coworkers where like, mm-hmm. I'm the first person they've ever met like that's, me. That's, that's and, really amazing of you <laughs> and, and kind mm-hmm. um, and patient, mm-hmm. um, I think too. So like to be with people and 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 understanding like mm-hmm. this is a new experience for some folks and it may be a lot to take in rightfully so or wrongfully so yeah. um and so it, I appreciate that yeah I mean you talking about like not wanting to offend people not knowing mm-hmm. I mean to me that comes from like a very deep like nice kind place because mm-hmm. you don't want to hurt somebody yeah. and like that should be you know you shouldn't tolerate disrespect right. but. Disrespect to me comes from, it comes from a position of bad faith. It comes right. from a position of faith. And of course there's such a thing as like debate and pushback and stuff like that. But right. in the end, like when I have people ask me questions, like sometimes they can be a little prying and a little grating, but mm-hmm. for the most part, people just like don't know what it's like, don't know what to say, don't know right. how like that goes. Like I had this experience, like I have gotten like frustrated and depressed at my day job. Um, like I said, I came out on my day job and I actually moved jobs to come out there because I knew this about myself, but the job that I was working at the time, I knew for a fact wasn't a great place to come out at because somebody else had, and I saw what they had experienced. Mm. And that's really frustrating. And moreover, that was, that was like a, uh, that was like a summer hire. It was somebody's kid. And on to, so like having s- like a coworker's child transition and then people not be at the very least like curious, like mm-hmm. self-critical or at, like just be kind of rude. And in some cases mean, like I knew that like this wasn't a good thing for me. I'd already sort of like committed myself to try and find another place. And I moved to my current job. I waited for the uh, like 60 day waiting probationary period. And I was like, (laughs) all right, let's, let's figure out how to do this. Talk to my bosses and then kind of just figured out what to do because there was no manual on how to handle this sort of thing. There's not many of us even, you know, right now. And so, um, I want to, I want to peel back a little bit and, and, and talk about your upbringing a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, mm-hmm. when did you know, like, hey, I'm a woman? That you know, or or did that come later, or what was that process for you? It's interesting because there's a there is a preconceived notion that like 
every trans person, you know, it dawns on them like when they're a child, like I'm in the wrong body, which I, I also don't prefer that type of, uh, that line really. But, you know, you have this like, you know, light switch moments like, oh my gosh, this isn't, this isn't the case. I, I grew up the wrong way or like, I wish I could be something else. And like that, that I wish I could be something else was like a, you know, it was a, it was kind of like in the background at the entire time. Like I grew up, you know, I was depressed, anxious, at some mm. point suicidal, and mm. I couldn't really like understand why. And at some point I was just like purely numb, just could not feel anything, just purely just like go to work, go to school, go to bed, just not having a, a great time in my life and um, could never figure out why. And I think it kind of speaks to what you have experienced and frankly what I experienced too is I didn't know anything about this. Like I grew up here. I didn't hear anything. I, you know, I knew gay people and you know, that wasn't a terribly hard concept to understand. Like, right. you know, I didn't have a religious upbringing, so I didn't really have any sort of like slight against the gay community or anything like that. It was really just like, well, it's none of my business. Why do I care? I also learned like, well, I also like, you know, I like interesting and attractive people. So, right. you know, I, I knew at some point that I was like, I was bisexual, but once again, that's nobody's business who right. I date or who I get into a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And it really didn't dawn on me, I think, until I was, oh, how old was I? I probably was 20, I was probably 25 at the time when it okay. really dawned on me. And okay. it really was a result of doing activism and organizing because I did encounter like trans people and like the issues of being a trans person just sort of generally not even alone in the United States and that's where I got kind of curious and I became this is something that you see kind of often it's like you see people who are like really huge supporters that are of the transgender cause like liberation that are very interested know a lot of stuff about it and then slowly time progresses on and they're like maybe i uh identify with this so much because i want to know more about it i want to experience it and then sure enough you know maybe a year goes by and it's like oh god mm -hmm. and i had that moment you know that mm. light switch moment that i was talking about i didn't have it when i was 10 or 11 right. i had it when i was 25 and so like from from your childhood adolescent to young adult mm -hmm. to adult at like 25 mm -hmm. um what was growing up like were you purely you know boys clothes boys mm -hmm. activities like when i say boys like typical sure yeah yeah, uh, yeah. type of boys yeah, stereotypical, stereotypical, stuff. stereotypical stuff um yeah okay yeah it was all just like you know play sports have friends video right. games all that sort of stuff and right. i you know i was kind of a shithead when i was a kid too <laughs> that's one thing too that i always hate is like i uh I hate this sort of like idea of like, oh, they're always just this sort of like effet type uh, type young young person that thinks they're a boy and then later on, you know, they go through all these motions and then they realize, oh, at one point, like this all makes sense. No, I was absolutely an idiot. I was such a bad kid. <laughs> Thankfully, never got arrested, but you know, I, you know, we, uh, but I, I had like a masculine upbringing and I, it, it, you know, I was depressed, but I just didn't have that, like, I didn't have the language to describe what I was feeling. Yeah. And that was such a huge 
thing that like a huge thing for me that like I don't know what this is I didn't even know that this was a thing that one could do because you see like in the media you see people who like cross-dress you see people mm -hmm. you know you see kind of like stereotypical in some cases offensive representations of trans women and sometimes trans men and mm -hmm. trans men less than trans women it's more often than not trans women but um, and which is interesting, which is what, one of the things I want to talk mm -hmm. about too. Yeah. Uh, so once I started learning about this and I started reading and listening to people and like having conversations with people and having conversation conversations with the women in my life at the time. And, um, it was a really enlightening experience. And frankly, like what I was just talking about of like having like the stereotypical like transgender experience of like knowing when you're a kid and then not being able to fully blossom until you're older. Like, um, like that really wasn't the case for me. Like mm. I, I didn't know until later. And I, once I did, like I had to do a lot of thought about it and it caused I mean, it caused a lot of rifts in my life. Like, I don't talk to my father anymore. Mm. I only talk to my sister now. And don't talk to... Like, I don't have a ton of family left, but I do, and they don't talk to me either. And, like, I have, like, mixed feelings over that. But I also know that, like... I also made that decision just as much as they made the decision to have some sort of prejudice against this of just... I don't suffer this type of disrespect from anybody on the street. So why the fuck would I dis what would I suffer it from somebody who purports to love me? Yeah. And if that's going to be the case, then I need to put my foot down right. and just say like, look, if you want to have a relationship with me, you need to be respectful. And moreover, like at this point, like if my parents or any any part of that family like wants to like start mending or start those conversations like i a formal apology is required for me to start that sort of thing right. and like i once again like i i don't tolerate that sort of thing and right. i don't once again like i don't think that the majority of people have like malice in their heart when they ask me questions but right. once you start understanding like you know, this person's supposed to love me. I was right. always supposed to be this person's child, not their imagination of what they wanted me to be. Right. And that uh, that's where you have to draw the line. And and that's is just so heartbreaking to hear sure. because I think that's um, that's a theme, um, whether you know somebody or not, that you hear whether it's in through entertainment media about mm -hmm. like the repercussions yeah. that come from just coming out yeah. and from family and friends and people that you thought were always going to love you no matter what and mm -hmm. you know just, they just loved you because you were you you know yeah. um and whatever version of you that whether it's a good version or whether that's even if you was doing criminal shit they loved sure. you right yeah um ah it, it's just one of those things is like i just i wonder for you I know you like fuck them at <laughs> this particular moment, right? Sure. But do you give them a little grace due to just maybe just ignorance? Yeah, it's it's hard to say whether or not it's ignorance because mm. both of my parents grew. Uh, they uh, they work. They both worked in the music industry. Um, they both worked in the music industry in the seventies and eighties, mm. um, and when you're working in the music industry in the 70s and 80s, you're going to encounter a lot of, uh, let's say, 
odd and odd people. And that includes transgender people. Like even though the, the nomenclature might have changed, like we may not have people as much who identify as like, say like a transvestite or something like that. You still would have encountered those types of things. And moreover, like I, this was what you're talking about of like giving people grace and things like that. That did, that did happen. But I also did this kind of like arithmetic in my head and it's funny uh one of the one of the conversations that I had with my father one time before I had came out to him I knew but I had uh I uh we went out to lunch one time and I started telling him this story about this transgender person that I worked with kind of reiterating the story that I was talking about with you mm -hmm. and I was relaying this to him and you know at the time, like he had a very like visceral reaction to it. And he was like, that's so terrible. Mm. And he started describing to me like a, a situation where one of his best friends uh, from when he was, when he lived in Minnesota, he, uh, one of his, uh, one of his uh, nieces or nephews, I don't remember, um, had came out and was transgender. And uh, my father's friend forbid this child from going to the wedding mm. uh, of uh, going to the wedding of his daughter. Mm. And my father approached him about this and was like, George, you know that this is messed up. This is not, this is not okay. And when he told me that story, like I, I kind of like a flame, like burst into my heart. I'm like, Oh my God, like, this might be okay. Right. This might be okay. And I was so confident about it. And like, it took me a while to like actually work up the courage to do it and like tell him. And at first he responded very like numbly. And then after that, like it, things progressed worse and worse. Wow. Um, so I, I think I do give people grace. I, yeah. I do, I, I do have some humility and, and like some, some understanding that right. people don't know how to deal with these things. And like, I, I speak with my mother very, very infrequently, like on, uh, I think the last time I spoke with her on the phone was on my birthday in July. And before then it was, it had been several months. So I, I and to be fair, I, my, my mother, my mom left when I was 10. So I didn't have like a, a solid, like consistent relationship with her. I would see her maybe like once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, so the distance I think kind of helped. Um, but yeah, providing grace and humility, I, I think is important, um, but also not to, not to tolerate stuff from the people who are supposed to love you. And I, I do what you're talking about about right. extending it. I will say I have constant inner like, turmoil about that because mm -hmm. I do love my parents. And in some cases, like I have like in my head, like I thank my father for like the person that I am because for better, for worse, like he did a lot of good. He did a lot of bad. He said mm -hmm. a lot of great things. He said a lot of bad things, but he raised me to be the person that I am now. Right. He raised me to work very hard and be very diligent and be very understanding and loving and respectful and loyal. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, everybody falters, um, but it's important when you falter to um, apologize for those right. mistakes. And my father has never been one to apologize right. for his mistakes. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I'm gonna move forward a little bit, then I'm gonna come back. All right, go um, for it. Organizing. Go for it. Um, how did that play, right? into transitioning yeah to transitioning and also just just how did like 
How did you get involved into organizing in mm-hmm. the first place? Um, I know you said your parents is in music. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did that like happen? And you mm-hmm. know, um, I know that, and I know that's different for different people, right? Sure, Some people sure. have like family members that you know marched and did all these amazing yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, or you can be like me. Well, my family like didn't really like have origins in like that typical sense of like community and yes. organizing and fighting for social justice. Mm-hmm. And it just happened, you know, for me. And yeah. so, uh, so what is that story for you? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to answer your second question yeah. before I come back to the first. So, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting, like being, cause I really got radicalized in 2016, but to even go further back than that, like my parents and family were good liberals. Like they, you know, they always voted Democrats. They were, always, you know, trying to to be interested and push back against, you know, racism, sexism, homophobia in whatever little way that they could. And, you know, that instilled in me like a sense of social justice. Mm-hmm. And then when 2016 came around, like I'm, you know, two years out of college and I'm starting to get interested in this more for some reason or another, really. Um, and I really like kind of took a shine to the Bernie Sanders campaign. I thought uh, our good boy Bernard has some good, <laughs> some good ideas in politics. Right. So, you know, started following it. And then when he got knocked out of the race, um, I was a little, I was stunned by it, but, um, and then when Trump got elected, it was like, the world is so different. Um, and I, I felt like if I'm going to be in a socialist organization, because this was October, like I need to live up to it. Like I can't just be a paper member. Like I actually need to like take part in this because shit's about to go down. Right. And I remember having a conversation with my girlfriend at the time of just like waking up the next morning and feeling like shell shocked. And she was like, why? Like, what's the big deal? I'm like, you have no idea right. what's about to happen. And then following that, like I just decided to start looking into it and started getting interested in like more socialist politics and seeing other places across the country and, you know, just realizing like, yeah, like people have, like people should have healthcare. People should Mm -hmm. have housing. People should not be like tormented and murdered by the police. We should not have such, we shouldn't have this like global, like expanding military and Mm -hmm. this exploitation and then got involved, like in December 2016, like I was talking about. Um, and then to return to your first question, um, transitioning in in the organizing community among like truly who the people like I call my friends and yes, my comrades. Yeah. Um, I uh, it it was it was one of the easiest parts of the entire transition process. Wow. I and it was funny because like there were people who I was really close to at the time who knew. And, you know, I, I came out to them in September of 2018. Um, it's funny. I, I didn't realize how much these dates have imprinted <laughs> upon me. Uh, it was the last Wednesday of September uh, 2018 because that's when we have our general meetings. Um, and I made a, like, not even really an announcement. I just, I, I was leading the general meeting. I was facilitating. And towards the end, I, I asked people to come to this rally that was happening about transgender rights. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, I, and then I explained like, I am one of these people and like, 
this is going to be extremely important about whether or not people like me can exist in the future. Wow. And like, even though I wasn't like, I was saying it without saying it. Like I was like, I'm coming out to you as a trans person. Like I'm a woman, actually. You might have known me as this, but I had already come out to some people who were like, who I was close to and who right. were members in the chapter. Um, and uh, yeah, I, people came up to me afterwards and were like, oh my God, I didn't know. I'm so happy for you and like, I'll be there. And then sure enough, they showed up. I gave a speech and then kind of just went from there. It became really easy. A lot of people were mm. just like, I, uh, I know you had Jorge on here and he does yeah. stuff with workers dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time that was like one of the most, like, uh, it was funny. It was one of the more like novel experiences because of how like just nothing it was. I, Cause I went to workers dignity. I was helping doing some like phone banking or something like that for a fundraiser. And when I went there, I like had a conversation with somebody who was a leader there at the time. And when I told them, I'm like, I, I, I don't like, you know, stammering like I am now. And right. uh, I was like, I need you to know that like, you've known me for years, but I, I'm actually a trans woman. Like I'm, I'm trying to come out to you right now. And they're like, okay, is, is there something else? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's it. And they're like, okay, well, here's your phone banking sheet. I mean, the bathroom's right there. Like every, ev right. everything, like literally nothing about it changed, you know, you know, uh, you know, every so often you'd right. get a, you'd get a, a, a misgender or something like that, but people would correct themselves, but they wouldn't fall over themselves right. and like, you know, do this liberal like apologetics or something like that. Right. It was, it, it is so interesting in what, you know, what inspires me about being involved in organizing and something that like makes me believe that I'm, never going to get out of the game because like these are the people who who helped raise me from like like the pit that I was in at the time and how like how just miserable I was um wow this like I've never I've never had not that I know of because sure. it could have but I've never had anyone um, come out to me like mm -hmm. in that public in that like intimate way yeah um, but I would probably be one of those people like oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> like, okay well yeah. thanks nothing yeah. changes for me you yeah. know and whatever support whatever mm -hmm. just let me know and yeah it was it was fun because like we like it because I hadn't even changed my like I hadn't even like figured out what name I was going to change my name to so I was still going by my older name okay and can we ask what your older name was? Is there something you want to no. say? Okay. Uh, no. I, okay. We can talk about that in a second. But um, in December uh, of that year, in 2018, I decided to throw a party because I had figured out the name that I wanted to use. And I was like, let's have a name day party. Like, mm. fuck it. Like, let's, yeah. let's throw a rager. Like, and let's do this thing, like, proper. Because, like, this to me is like, you know, this is the motherfucking gender reveal party of the <laughs> lifetime. I can drink. <laughs> Um, and it's, it was a, it was a, whew, that was a night <laughs> and it was a great time, you know, at, you know, when midnight hit, you mm -hmm. know, I had like a, you know, I didn't even have a speech prepared or something like that. So I, you know, got everybody into the living room, like all, like cramming like 40 people <laughs> into the shithole that I was living in at the time. And I was just like, all right. And like people were coming up to me all night and were like, you know, can you just tell me? I'm like, no, 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 you got to guess, you got to guess, you got to guess. And, you know, finally, and, you know, had a, 
had a big thing and it, it was Mina and, you know, just the fucking house roared and it was awesome. <laughs> and it was like one of the most like revitalizing experiences of my life because you have all of these people around you that like love you and care about you and like yeah. want to treat you right and like have this like truly to me, like how these things should be treated of right. just like, this is awesome. Like this isn't like a, you know, some like therapists and things like that will tell trans people that like, you need to be patient with the people in their, in your life because it's like, you know, you need to think of it as like the death of a family member. And to mm. me, that's like one of the most horrific things that you can say because yeah. in effect, what you're saying is you murdered this person mm -hmm. and that's going to be on your conscience. And to me, it's like, well, I mean, I'm not related by blood to any of these people, but I consider them a lot of my, I consider a lot of them my siblings, my brothers, my sisters, the people who I would, you know, go to the barricades for, like to the hilt right. and decided to do it as, as best as I could and had a, had a wonderful time. But to your question about like an older name, so I don't know if you're familiar with this concept of, it, I don't know, it's more colloquial, it's called a dead name. No, I'm not familiar. So the dead name is a, I guess, sort of like a, it's a concept uh, within kind of like the broader like transgender community. So like when you, when you, imagine it's like misgendering somebody. Okay. But a lot of people find, find it, hurts them worse okay. when you do it because it's just like it reminds you of this and mm. it's funny because like uh especially with how technical society is like i'm it's like whack-a-mole like trying to find all of these places that i have my old names at of just like you know mailing lists that i signed up for when i was like you know 18 and i still am signed up to it for some damn reason and it's like <laughs> well why did you <laughs> another one I'm 30. How did I miss it? And then, you know, when it comes to like technology at your job, it's like, well, mm -hmm. we can't change it in this one place. And I'm like, can you really not fucking change it? You so is your, is your name Mina? Um, everywhere. Everywhere. Legally. Legally. Birth certificate, social security number, all from from tip to toe. It, it is uh, it is Mina. Yes. Mina Laszlo Shed. Um what are some because we we we're here in the south yeah right? go for it you know we're here in the south um has have you ever not felt safe oh yeah um and and what did that look like for you what did that what was that experience or experiences for you oh yeah i mean it still happens right. like there's still a, a you kind of got to keep your head on a swivel like mm. and it's not just like you know regular regular everyday jag offs that will like come up and yell at you or you like yell at you across the street or something like that and you know i've had those experiences of just like being in a parking lot and then like i pull up and you know like i'm in a dress and like have my makeup on and my purse and then all of a sudden a woman will yell a slur at me from like literally like 10 feet away and i'm like Okay, lady, and then you right. just continue your life, right? Um, because like I'm not about to catch case for this woman, right? Um, but it, it it can be it can be hard. Like there have been, you know, there. I was coming back from a conference that was happening in Alabama uh, that was like sort of like a Southern Unity conference for DSA chapters. And when I was coming back, we had to stop at a gas station. And, you know, you have, you stop at a gas station and, you know, all of their memorabilia and stuff like that from mm -hmm. the outside, you can kind of get the vibe. 
you know, the Trump flags, the make America great again, the, mm -hmm. you know, the Republican stuff, the, you know, guns don't kill people, I kill people type <laughs> sign. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong place. Right. But, you know, and then you have to do, like, the personally humiliating thing of, like, well, I have to, like, use the men's bathroom now and butch myself up in order to, like, pass through it. Because there have been times where, like, people have had to do, like, you know, size you up and be like, are you or you just look feminine or are you? And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have that conversation with somebody because right. I know it could like engender some issues. So, right. um, and you know, being in the South to me, like, like I said, I love living here. It's mm. like one of, I've never been able to leave the country. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I have found that like living here, like visiting Atlanta has been like some of the best experiences of my life. But, um, it has, there have been situations that have been like, sort of like subtly, mm -hmm. like I need to, you know, I need to have somebody who has my back, whether that's like another woman or I need to call upon some of my, uh, some of my men in my life and be like, can you like, like go to the grocery store with me mm. uh, or like, can you, and, and sometimes it's like, this is something that I, it, it's hard. Like, am I imagining this or, am, or is this the reality? Like right. I need somebody to stay with me at this bar right. or like, I need somebody to, uh, help me like do this booking or like right. be there for something like that. Um, <laughs> or just like literal, like I will admit, well, admit I've gotten some, I've gotten some very explicit death threats, like in person and online. Like the worst one that ever happened to me that actually caused me to move, um, was I got dressed and I went outside and there was a bullet on my porch standing up and, Whoa. uh, I got the message I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. So I moved. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's even funnier. I don't know which part it was for, because it could have been for the transgender stuff. It could have been for the opposing white supremacy stuff. It right. could have been for the socialism stuff. It could have been for the breakup that I just had. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm just not gonna. That's I'm just gonna get the hell out of here. That's that's wow. So, yeah. question. Go for I'm it. Just, I'm just curious, and not mm -hmm. not like. I don't. I don't. I don't even know what I would do, mm -hmm. but like your bathroom preference sure like so is it is it just either or for you or depending on the space uh um, no i always use the women's bathroom okay i always use the women's bathroom uh, like it's it's it, it, thankfully i was able to convince the place that i work of like i put my foot down i'm like i'm not gonna use the men's bathroom like come okay. on guys like um and there was a point in time like let's say like 2019 was probably when like i stopped like feeling like I needed to. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes you'll get weird looks, but oftentimes it's like, I'm six feet tall. I have long red hair. And it's, it is often like a woman just looking at me of just like, holy shit, you're tall. <laughs> so you don't often right. meet a six foot tall woman. Right. So like I, uh, so I, you haven't had, have you had any issues in the bathroom with other women? Nah, never, okay. never. Um, and even then I, I am, it, it's hard to say like what I would do at this point. Uh, I would likely just like ignore it mm -hmm. or just like move on. I, I would more than likely just not respond to it because mm -hmm. I'm not in a, I'm not in a situation like if I'm out on a date or if like right. I'm out 
um, you know, at the movie theater or whatever right. the hell it might be. Like, I'm not about to like get into this with some woman, but right. thankfully like that experience hasn't happened to me, but I know that that's certainly like not the case for everybody. Um, yeah. And, and so, and so I, I, I'm really excited to get into this next portion and then I want to get into some like more organizing Go community for it. Go stuff. For it. But I'm taking, I'm taking my chance right now. Go for it. So I want to talk about like that transition. Because I know you started a fundraiser for it and everything. Oh, you saw that? I did my research, Mina. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> I all see. Right. So I was amazed. Like, oh shit, she did a whole fundraiser. Yeah. And everything. And so, um, so, and I want to know if I like that too. But, mm -hmm. um, what take us through that journey of transitioning um, from a biological? Sure. Because uh, mentally, you're you already mm -hmm. transitioned. Right. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you always been a woman. Mm -hmm. Yes. Physically, it's a, it's a different thing. Physically, <laughs> physically, well, different, different thing is, is, is kind of hard. So okay. yeah. this break is that, something, break, break that down. To yeah. Us. So this is actually something that like, I have to like, I even have to talk cause I work at a medical school. I'm not okay. a doctor or anything like that. I just am an administrative assistant, but I do often like there are students who do research projects in our program. And actually I spoke with one just a couple days ago who is doing research on the transgender community. And we had this conversation about gender and sex and the difference between the two. And this right. is something that a lot of people like have a, have an idea of like, they've made the first step of like, gender is not sex. Gender is right. your, is the way that you feel. Sex is the way that you are. But I, mm, I let's I, talk about it. Mm, but, I, but I really hate to throw a, a hammer at the class. The, <laughs> the sex part isn't, isn't easy or immutable either. Okay. So let's let's dive into that. Yeah. Though. Because okay, let me tell you what I what I think like sex is right. Okay. Because I think they're different. Go I think it. sex and gender is different. Mm -hmm. And not from like from how you broke it down, but more so, mm -hmm. sex is from a chromosomal bio biology because science thing sure. from how we understand science. Mm -hmm. Male and female, sure. right? That's what I think about sex. Mm -hmm. And gender is something that is more broad mm -hmm. than sex. I think sex mm -hmm. is concrete due to due to science. Mm -hmm. Gender is whatever you identify, whatever terminology sure. you want to yeah. use. Cultural and cultural. It's, it can be. Mm -hmm. I think even for me, that terminology has increased over mm -hmm. the years in that understanding. Mm -hmm. um, instead of being just binary, kind of how sure. you know most of us well, yeah. like interchangeable terms. interchangeable terms right yeah. and so that's that's how that's mm -hmm. how I see it and mm -hmm. that's how I know to understand it yeah so sex is once again not a simple thing because it, it's funny whenever you know, I don't get into arguments online because like that's boring. <laughs> I have much more better things to do. Um, but I, uh, I find that and through research, through discussion, through like talking to experts in the field, because mm -hmm. I have that uh, opportunity mm -hmm. to like sex, even among humans is complicated and the way that we kind of smear everything together and just say like, well, there's just a man and he's got a penis and mm -hmm. then there's and then there's a woman and she has a vagina. Not the case. Like, so take, for example, intersex people. Intersex people can be born with ambiguous genitalia. Right. Intersex people can be born with different chromosomes. Intersex mm -hmm. people can be, have all sorts of different things. And oftentimes there is a form of, especially when children are born, um, the parents oftentimes choose. And then later on in life, 
they, uh, this intersex person will go to a doctor visit and realize I lived my entire life as a man, but I have ovaries and nobody ever told me about this. Mm -hmm. So there are, I believe 22 currently identified different, what one would call like, like sex, uh, sexual mutations or something okay. like that. Okay. Um, and at the very least, and this was based off of a study that was done quite a while ago, 0.1% of the human population is intersex. Okay. I don't know my chromosomes, do you? Uh, no. Okay. So you yeah. very well, there are men who are born with a penis, who mm -hmm. have lived their entire life, who have facial hair, who have all this sort of presentation who have double X chromosomes. Mm. Same thing with women. There are some women who are born with XY chromosomes and they just don't know it until later on. Maybe they're given a blood test or doing mm -hmm. some sort of like genomic test and they realize, holy shit, this is different. Right. Or you didn't realize like when you were born, you had some sort of ambiguous genitalia and somebody made a choice for you. Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of like different things. And like I said, if you can imagine, Say you, say you did an examination, you, you took the composition of the entire Earth's crust, mm -hmm. and you decided, okay, everything less than 0.1%, I don't care about. That we just don't consider it. Right. What you would not be considered, it, what would not be considered in that, in that parameter is carbon. Right. As humans are very basic building blocks of life. Without carbon, we, we are carbon-based human beings. Right. We would not exist. Right. So that's what I mean when I say sex is not immutable. It's a lot more complicated in the same way that like even other forms of animals' biology is a lot more complicated. Right. Um, so it's, it's something that like sort of... Uh, sort of to like lay people, like it is like you're either a man or you're a woman, you either have a penis, you have a vagina and that's mm -hmm. it. And gender expression and sex being two different things. And for some people they use it interchangeably. And to me that's, you know, obviously incorrect, uh, obviously incorrect. Um, and the same thing with gender being a cultural thing, sex, because science is in some ways imprecise. It's, it is always changing and growing and we're learning more and things like that. So right. we'll learn even more. And right. uh, I uh, forgot what your original question was. Well, no, no, th <laughs> no, no. And you, you have me thinking um, about the whole sex thing and how mm -hmm. the intersex and chromosomes and, and, and maybe I lied to you yeah. that I was a trans woman. Maybe I made yeah. up all this shit. Maybe Do you know, maybe, I don't know. Okay. I, I exactly. Don't. I, I don't. It's nobody's business. <laughs> it's no, it's yeah. nobody's business, but the woman that I have sex and, with. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, like, um, you know, I, as, as, uh, uh, I, I, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Joseph. Um, was on here is like, hey, a lot of people may be a little bit too concerned about people's other people's anatomy, yeah. like body anatomy, yeah. right? Um, but the question, mm -hmm. no, what I was answering something. I was telling you about sex yes. and how, um, like that makes sense though. Yeah, like, if that makes sense, that yeah. uh, because it's, it's so many of us, we are all unique. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that you know, 
I might have a chromosome that's different yeah. here and there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is what it is, which, you know, sure. I think it's pretty, pretty awesome, pretty amazing. Sure. Um, oh, your qu- your qu- yeah. original question but was about, about my transition, transition. Yeah, medical, yeah. the yeah. biological. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I gave you permission <laughs> yeah. to ask yeah. me these questions mm-hmm. just in case one of your viewers gets pissed. I gave Jerome permission. <laughs> all right. And so, this, is, this is a safe, brave space, people. This yeah. is a safe, brave space, civil yeah. space. Yes. Um, got a couple brave people right, in the room right yeah, now. Yeah, a couple brave people. We'll see who, so, we'll see who calls <laughs> uncle first. Right, right. <laughs> so Look, let's, let's get so into take, it. Take us, take, us, take us through it. So in May of 2018 is when I first started hormones, hormone replacement therapy, otherwise known as HRT. Okay. So for me, I took, um, I took estrogen. So okay. that would be uh, what would want what is kind of like colloquially understood as more of a feminine hormone. Um, and I also took spironolactone, which helps with hair growth okay. as well, um, which I was never particularly a hairy person anyways, but it, it, it helps. It helps with sort of like sm- softening skin. It does change your hair texture too. So okay. with a lot of men, uh, predominantly they have what's called terminal hair. So it's kind of that like, you know, your beard hair mm-hmm. that you have right now. So that's something that you would call terminal hair. So okay. it's a little scragglier. Um, and then you have vellus hair, which is what I have on my arm right here. So it's okay. more like, you know, that kind of fuzz that, you know, that you, that a woman would have on her arms and some men do too, just based off of whatever their biology. Right. So I start going on hormones and things starts changing. You know, your, your breasts start changing, your hips start changing, your skin and your face and all this sort of stuff. You start redistributing fat into different areas. And here's one thing, if I have other trans women, and other trans girls that are watching this start fucking eating otherwise that won't happen all right <laughs> i made that mistake um but anyways i just want to put them put one out there for the girls um because uh, a lot of young women don't do that okay and so things progressed and my body starts changing i actually uh kind of for like simplicity's sake i switched from doing oral uh, estrogen so i would take a pill twice a day it dissolves under your tongue spironolactone is a pill that you take with water and you swallow it um so then i start actually taking injectable estradiol um that i can't remember my my milligram dose but it doesn't really matter Um, and that's just easier for me, frankly, because it's a subcutaneous injection. I do it once a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like 0.1 milliliters or something like that. And yeah, I just have to do it once a week rather than having to remember every single day to take this too. And it was easier for me because like I would take it when I got in the car to go to work and when I left to go to uh, left to come home. Um, so following that, and I do that for quite some time and then 2020 hits and, um, you know, it's, it, it was a long decision. I think a lot of, a lot of people who transition have these questions about like, do I want to go under the knife for anything, right. you know? And some of that is based off of like one's own desires. Some of that, and there's like a lot of like meditation and internal thought that you have to do of like, do I want to do this or do I do I think I want to do this because right. this is what I see in other women or other men or whatever. Right. Um, so I decided to pull the trigger. I decided like, I want to get facial feminization surgery. Okay. I want to get top surgery. And those are the two things that I started with. Okay. Um, top surgery meaning? Uh, breast augmentation. Okay. okay. So for, for most trans women, that means a breast augmentation, okay. which includes any, which includes like a, 
a breast augmentation that you would have for a cisgender woman. Right. So like putting in like a uh, uh, an implant. Okay. Um, and I started working with uh, a surgeon, and I already had a doctor that was at Vanderbilt, um, and we went through it. There was a <laughs> lot of meetings about it. I went to the doctor so much and I still have to go to the doctor fairly regularly. Um, and yeah, eventually. And then while this process was happening, it was something that I really weighed in my head of like, do I want to get bottom surgery? Right. And that's a huge yeah, decision. And, and because bottom of meaning. Bottom meaning. Cut off the penis. Or, no, no or, we'll or get into that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get that into that. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so um, I was like, oh, oh, I was meditating. Me the <laughs> we'll get into it. If you want to say uncle first, we no, can. No, no, I'm just thinking of like, ah, <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, I started having these like thoughts and dreams and just like trying to go through it. And mm -hmm. then eventually I was like, I, I, I have to do this. Like if I'm going to go through so much, like difficulty and thought and all this sort of stuff. Like I need to actually like pull the trigger and do this. Right. Um, so, uh, and, uh, mind you, we're talking February of 2020. Right. So that's, um, I start scheduling surgeries. Um, and I was initially scheduled for a breast augmentation and facial feminization surgery for April. Um, and then the pandemic hit and everything shut down and my surgeries started getting moved and I was absolutely miserable mm. because I was just like, I'm so fucking close. I'm yeah. so close to getting the things that I want. Right. And then eventually we were able to, uh, I was able to get a date and because it's funny because I went to Vanderbilt, cosmetic surgery is actually a way that they uh, are able to keep the lights on because right. it's very, very expensive and most uh, most insurance programs don't cover it. So people have to pay out of pocket, which right. means a lot of money, right. um, a lot of just uh, cold, hard cash for them. Um, and that's the case for a lot of insurances, uh, including mine. Um, so I do it. And it, I decided like, it's, it's May. Uh, this is only ever going to get worse. I talked to my doctor. And I was like, can we do this whole face thing and chest thing at the same time? And he's like, how old are you? And I'm like, well, I'm 28. And he's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I went under the knife and then I woke up and, you know, I had a, I had a much more ample chest <laughs> and I had a, a, uh, a massively swollen face. I mean, if you did your research, then you likely have, have seen my Instagram, which we can talk about in a little while. Yeah. Um, but then it was having to go through for the next part because mm -hmm. the next thing was in July, I was supposed to have my bottom surgery. Fun thing about bottom surgery. It is extremely expensive. Um, which is a huge reason why I, I tried to raise a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it involves a lot of stuff that even people within the medical field don't tell you. So mm -hmm. it involves hair removal. Oh. Um, so hair removal being that you need to remove hair from the parts that are going to be, let's say inverted. Right. Um, and what that means is then you have to get either laser hair removal or electrolysis. Mm. Now electrolysis is the only FDA approved way to get hair removed because laser hair for some people, um, it will eventually grow back and you don't want that growing back, right. um, inside of you. 
and that could be a huge problem. Like right. it genuinely could cause a lot of issues. Right. Um, so you have to do electrolysis. So for those who don't know, electrolysis is the process in which that you have a technician and they go into every single little hair follicle with a needle and then they heat that needle up to a very high degree so it cauterizes that pore. Mm. And I want to tell you, I'm a pretty tough bitch. That is the most painful experience of my entire life. Yeah, that sounds and, painful. Yeah. And every hair follicle? Every single one. Yeah. Every single one all over your junk. Oh. Like I said, <laughs> I'm a tough bitch, but that one, I, and it's really hard, especially in Tennessee, to find somebody that will even do it. Right. Um, I found a woman who would do it. Uh, it was very difficult uh, because- Did you have to be awake for this? Oh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I was fucking raw dogging it the first time. Uh, and I, I had booked a three hour session. I was like, let's just do it because it was going to take a long time to do all of this. And I was like, let's just do it. And one hour in, I was like sobbing, just like crying my eyes out, just in like pure, like nerve pain, like that yeah. electric throbbing, sharp pain. And I tried to go I went back and we basically reached this conclusion, like we're gonna go down time and then it just got worse and worse and worse and how painful it was. And we didn't even get to the hard parts. Um, so I had to do a shitload of research. And once I started doing that research, there are places across the country that are, uh, that will do uh, twilight anesthesia. So essentially they will uh, give you an IV and you'll have this sort of like foggy, hazy, like, uh, you're essentially like not making memories. Okay. Um, and at the same time, they uh, inject you with a numbing solution. Okay. And keep in mind where we're injecting this numbing solution into. Yeah. Real fucking painful. Ooh. So I have to do that. I had to do that four times. Uh, once again, very expensive. Right. Uh, insurance doesn't cover it, and most places don't take insurance. Mm. So um, once you do that, uh, and have the okay from your doctor. I had to go to Chicago, which I went to Chicago. I was in basically like a very high level of quarantine all of the summer of 2020. Mm. And as an organizer, I was fucking rended about that. And uh, at a distance, I did the best that I could in right. assisting, whether it is providing money for mutual aid, making masks for people. Right. Um, uh, also doing like uh, radio safety. So like listening to police scanners and mm -hmm. transmitting that to people on the ground. Um, I did the best that I could with what I had because I needed to have this surgery and I needed to not have COVID because then it was going to be like, we have to delay your surgery at least by a month. Right. Um, so then come August 8th of 2020, went under the knife again. Um, and yeah, woke up, spent a, spent a week in the hospital, came home and I had to have one, I think I had to have three revisions? Two, no, two revisions. Okay. Um, so what that means is they go down there again and they adjust some stuff. Okay. Uh, I actually had one earlier this year in March mm. um, and fully recovered. Uh, it takes fully to fully, fully recover from your first surgery without any revisions or anything like that. It'll take about a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so just for clarity, so like nuts, gone. Gonzo. <laughs> Gonzo. Somebody's got them in a lab somewhere. Actually, it's funny. Uh, That's wild to me. That's <laughs> wild to me. I got to tell you, 
It's the best. It's the best decision I ever made in my goddamn life. It. It. I, I was like so tortured over this choice, and then when I woke up, and you're like you have like a vacuum seal on you to like prevent. Um, any sort of things from falling out and right. like bleeding or anything like that. And right. then like come, cause I had it on a Monday. So come Thursday, they took it off and they're like, we need to go through this dilation process, which right. we can talk about. Um, and I, they were like, we're going to take this off and we're just going to make sure everything's good. And then we're going to leave for about five minutes so you can have your moment. Right. Um, and I did, they check to make sure everything was okay. And I just sort of, they gave me a mirror because like I'm in a hospital bed, not able to walk. Right. And even there where it was like bruised and bloodied and like, you know, still with like the Sharpie on it and shit like that, I just broke down crying. So I, so I broke down crying in the hospital and it was just such a, it was such a alleviate. I didn't realize how much of that was a weight on me. And I had to just like, re it really, made me just so overjoyed, just like this pure white ecstasy of just like, I can't believe I made the right choice right. because there's not really any coming back from that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, I mean, we can get into the, like the surgical, like we can get into the logistics and the geometry of the whole thing if you want, but I think I, we got the picture. All right. All right. All right. I mean, the whole, there's, there's some things preserved and there's things that, you know, nothing gold can stay. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a, so mm -hmm. with this transition, mm -hmm. Is it something that you will be experiencing your entire life or is it a point where like, hey, everything is is good to go, you've done everything, you don't have to take any more type of medicine or estrogen or anything like that or, or will it be just ongoing for life? Honestly, it depends on the person. Okay. So at this point in time right now, like there's no, some people stop taking estrogen altogether. Like... Um, and at this point in time, like, I feel like I want to keep taking it. Okay. Um, despite the fact that I don't have any, like, in terms of, uh, in terms of anatomy, uh, genital anatomy, anything that produces that anymore. Right. Um, and, uh, but it, it, it does, it helps me a lot. I still take spironolactone just for like hair growth and stuff like that. Uh, because like my... Basically anything else that I would want to get done, like I my skin's really sensitive, so it would just leave a lot of scars. Do you do you feel any like or did you start to feel any different like um from a like strength standpoint? Strength standpoint? Yeah, or like just you know from the beginning of the transition? Yeah, from the beginning to now or yeah. Yeah, like I uh I have like I've been a runner like for the majority of my life. Okay. Um, and I still do that. Like, mm -hmm. uh, some stuff has changed. Like I, uh, like there's I'm glad you told me that told me what told that you, you was a runner and that you yeah. was an athlete. Yeah. Cause we have to talk about it. Of course we do. We got to talk about it. And being an athlete mm -hmm. yourself, like I want, I gotta know, I gotta, of course know. we'll, we'll get into it in just a moment. But in terms of like strength, like, yeah, things did change. Okay. Like it, it, there are like there are parts of your body that just feel different. Mm -hmm. um, and 
what you can chalk that up to, like you can't really know. And whether or not that they're like, it's not like I run any better because I started taking estrogen. It's not like I lift any better because I was on testosterone. Like to me, like some of that stuff changes, but like I, I run, I used to lift. I used to be like really into powerlifting, mm-hmm. um, but I stopped having a gym that I could go to because gyms are expensive. And like, right. I never really like go to the gym at like four in the morning. So right. it's not like there's anybody fucking there. Right. Um, and I would go to gym like as I was now, like right. I, you know, use the women's bathroom. Like I swam mm-hmm. like everything like that before I had bottom surgery too. Right. Um, so yeah, in terms of like strength and stuff like that, it's it to me like because I'm a runner, like it's hard to say whether much changed. Um, but overall, I would say like likely the my amount of like I would say like my overall strength probably decreased. Um, and you know, there's good and bad to that. Like. Right. Um, but you know, I keep up with it. I run five days a week. Mm. Get up, crack ass crack of dawn. Do you? If you were to compete with a mm-hmm. cis woman, yeah, same age, you all both had same level of experience in sure. a particular sport. Do you think you would have an advantage um, over her because you was assigned male at birth and grew go, went and, through and went through yeah. No, okay. I don't think so. Um, okay. Because like there are arguments about like things like uh, musculature and like bones and stuff like that. And scientifically, like that's not exactly true. Like okay. um, even like there's a there's like kind of a insult that a lot of like, uh, you know, prejudice and bigoted people like to lob at lob at trans people of just saying like, you know, in the future when they, you know, when they discover your bones, they're going to they're going to know that you were a man. No, they're not. That's not how. That's not how. Uh, that's not how examination of bones right. work right. Uh, or anything. But it would be like, like DNA, though, right? Um, wouldn't that wouldn't that determine? Like maybe. And, and and I guess let's use I guess the correct type of. They would know their sex. They would know their sex, sex. perhaps. Per, yeah, perhaps. they would know their sex. Yeah. Yeah, but in terms of like overall strength, like I don't think so like okay. there are instances where like transgender women will start competing against other women uh other cisgender women and sometimes they do well sometimes they don't um and a lot of the times it does depend on like testosterone production mm-hmm. or it does depend on just like overall fitness or skill or genetics. things like that genetics things that you have literally no control right. over like i uh <clears throat> i often tell people that like I likely have more estrogen at any point in time during the day than like 95% of women in the Mm. world. And there's just nothing that we can do about that other than, you know, if I were to cut off the estrogen, like that wouldn't even change because I've already, you know, gotten, (laughs) gotten rid of the thing. We're just going to have to come back to it when we talk about this shit. So I'm, I'm perfectly upfront. You don't know how many times I've had to talk to other trans women about this so I'm glad that I get to talk to people in a more public setting where it's not as like yeah. intimate or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to sports, like you're asking about, like, 
there are instances where, yes, that does become the case, mm -hmm. like where there are trans women who do really well against other women. And there are some trans men who do really fucking well, too. And, and you don't hear, and that's the thing. But nobody talks, talks about, about trans, trans men. men. Yeah. It's bullshit. Which, which, is, which is crazy because, right? you, like, and I wonder why not. <laughs> So here we're gonna have to get into some like we're gonna have to get into some like four dimensional transphobia right now. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean this very literally, um, because like you have to imagine it from like a transphobic society's perspective mm -hmm. of like a transphobic society does not see me as a woman. Like we just have to understand this. We have to start at that base. Right. They don't see me as a woman. They see me as a man. And with that being the case, with societal attention being more upon men than women, generally, mm -hmm. um, then all of a sudden you have all of this attention on all of these, like, queers who are, like, invading women's spaces and, like, you know, these, like, disgusting human beings who are, like, in the same way, and, like, this goes with any sort of oppressed group, when when your oppressor starts talking about both how weak and strong you are, it's kind of a good indicator about what the hell's going on. Right. Um, so <laughs> yeah, people don't talk about trans men enough. I, I firmly believe that the, people don't do enough fucking science about trans men enough, yeah. like not enough medical science. It's really, really unfortunate. Like I'm pretty sure that there is not a, uh, there's not a surgeon at Vanderbilt yet that does a uh, penoplasty. So like the creation of, of a penis on somebody. Yeah. Um, and that is because they, you know, we live in a transphobic society, so that's not something that's just as valued. Yeah, I wonder how that would work. <laughs> that's not my area of expertise. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's just not like, my area of expertise. Like, okay. You find a trans man, maybe. I yeah. mean, it would. I would love. Hey, if it's if it's the if there's a trans man that's listening and out there, or if a listener knows one, please, like, there's a seat waiting for you on Deep Absolutely. Dish to talk about that because it's not. Like, I don't know. It's important. Yeah, it's a, it's important, but also like. Just to hear that experience, mm -hmm. hear the, the, hear like the same thing that you're mm -hmm. breaking down to us, yeah. um, from him would be would would be amazing. And, yeah, and, no, and informing would... and all of that good stuff. So I know about a lot of this shit because like I've had to experience. Right. I've had to like be the other person on the side of an argument. Right. I've had to I've had to stand up for myself in a lot of ways, whether right. it be with, you know, just on the street. Um, in relationships, whether mm -hmm. that be like, well, not any of like the romantic relationships that I've been in, but, right. um, you know, like with medical companies, all sorts of different places, right. uh, like with it and shit like that. So, so let's get into the relationships. Let's go I'm for curious. it. Yeah. And so as a, um, as a transgender woman, mm -hmm. um, are you bisexual Man, and I'll woman. fuck them all, brother. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. As so, long as long as they're smart, funny, uh, attractive, like I'm engaged, so okay, I'm, I'm off the market. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I okay. you know dated people of of every gender. Okay. If if if, if you've got what I like, then okay. Let's, then okay. I am not. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a shrinking violet. That's how, for sure. How does it? How in the past when you was on the market. How mm -hmm. did that conversation like happen? Say um, there was a cis man mm -hmm. that liked what they saw, mm -hmm. did not know you sure. were a trans or transgender woman, just thought you was a woman. Mm -hmm. 
is how how does that happen and has sure. has it happened mm-hmm. and <laughs> what was the response to that oh what were some of the responses to that um it's <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> of course which is one of my least favorite words because it could literally mean anything right. but you would you, you know you get myriad different things um so there were times that so i there is like a constant conversation about whether or not you need to disclose to a partner about whether like you're trans. Okay. And I think that for me, I always would and purely out of a safety concern. Okay. Because I knew that, um, I don't, do you know about the trans panic defense? Are you familiar with this? I'm not. So there are several instances and this is still the case across this country. There was one that happened, I believe last month where a trans woman was killed by a, uh, sorry, I should say that again. He was, uh, uh, he murdered a trans woman that he was having a sexual relationship with. Um, they had been having sex quite a bit. Right. Um, and his, uh, his case was that he was in a panic because he was, he felt like he had been deceived. So he, he got not, off the case. He did not know. He beat the case. He said he didn't know. You're having fucking sex. Yeah, with, I don't. Yeah, right. You uh, can yeah. see it. You can see it. The, unless he, unless it was just oral. I don't. Maybe. I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't know. That, yeah. Yeah. According, know. you know. But here's the thing. I don't know if he said that, that. Is that is perfectly legal to murder a trans woman as part of what is known as the trans panic defense that happens oh. all the time happens all the time. So that to me is the safety concern because yeah. I don't want to go on a date with somebody. I don't want to go on a date with a man. Um, and I, you know, we start getting intimate and then all of a sudden he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, I, I would prefer. Sure. And I, I believe, I, you, if, 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 I think if, if, a, if, a, if a man or woman, depending on mm-hmm. sure. which, which side you're on, um, if you get the inclination that he or she believes you're a woman or a man and mm-hmm. um, like a cis woman or a cis mm-hmm. man and you are not, I think it's responsible mm-hmm. um, for not only yourself but for them too so they can have the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, I, that's my preference. On I that. also think that cisgender people should tell transgender people what they, they're working with. <laughs> yeah, I'm, for that, I'm for that too. I'm yeah, for, just, I'm for like, that just, too. just so you know, <laughs> right. I do have a penis in case there was a question. Right. Yeah, because I, look, I'm for it. I'm for, I'm for all of that. I'm for look, all of there that. are some icks. I mean, there are some, I mean, of course. I mean, there's some fucking banging folks on both sides, but there's some there's some trans men that look like a that in our transphobic society, literally nobody would ever clock them. Literally. Well, let me tell you, um, I had the chance to live in the Philippines for a month. Oh, really? Yeah, and um, I think that may have been my first time mm-hmm. where I like I physically seen like in in like mm-hmm. in my presence. Sure. Um. Uh. Trans uh, men. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that right. Trans women. Okay. Trans women. Mm-hmm. That it's you would never know. Mm-hmm. Never. And it was <laughs> it was this thing to where um, I had some um, Filipino uh, local like friends and colleagues mm-hmm. that were literally like warning me like, hey, like that's that's she's a woman, but you know she was born. Just so you know what you're working. Yeah. Just so, just so I'm like. Mm-hmm. 
what? Yeah. Like, and so that was my, I was like, this is, mm-hmm. like, this is my, it, it was mind blowing because it was mm-hmm. like, wow, the, the transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, wow, how, like, and if you, so if you don't explicitly ask, yeah. it's no way mm-hmm. that, that like, it's no, it's no way that you, that, that yeah. anybody could know. We're, we're out walking <laughs> among you and, and you wouldn't even know. <laughs> you wouldn't even know. So, which is, which is like, which is, which is amazing. Um, that you know, maybe they reach their goal. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's like, what they yeah, want. like that's amazing. Like that's 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 a that's a masterful uh, mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it's like, sheesh! Like, would you would you tell me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right? Would you tell me? Mm-hmm. Um, which is could could be scary too at the same time. Yeah, I, I think um, that um, I'm not going to make a decision for anybody, but I will say. Safety as a trans person is paramount, mm-hmm. and that's something that all of us need to be aware of. Right. That you might be, if you're in a one night stand with somebody, if you're in a relationship with somebody, like it might be in your best interest. But I'm, if somebody doesn't, and I'm not gonna be like, you did the wrong thing, or, right. or like, even if this person was you know, God forbid, like had some violence acted upon them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they did the wrong thing. I think the person that did the violence did. Um, yeah. So I look at it the same way as like, honestly, like STDs. Like if you, Interesting. If, if you have an STD um, and you know it, mm-hmm. you might want to disclose that if you're about to have some type of. In some places it's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and then, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, or you could do what, you can, or you can just ask that maybe uncomfortable question, like, "Hey, are you have you are tested? You are you clean?" Yeah. Which I think is a very responsible question. I ask, ask every single yeah, one of my yeah, yeah. that. Right, right. But like, you, you know, yeah. But I think, but I think some people like just because of the discomfort of asking it and sure. how it could shift the mood. Yeah. <laughs> maybe ignore it and then like, ah, shit, what yeah. happened? Yeah. You know, or just you know. I mean, it's it the same thing that like we as well. I'll say I won't. I won't broadly say for the rest of the world i say that we as americans have a very uncomfortable relationship with gender with sexual relationships obviously Mm -hmm. with sex um and you know everything else but those things to this conversation specifically and i think in terms of like trans people like it is in possibly your best interest because things are hard out there for us that you want to keep your safety paramount and just if they have an issue with it, then they are not the type of person you would want to fuck, anyways. <laughs> um, and so I want I want to get into some some community stuff. Um, Shoot around 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 trends and allyship and solidarity mm-hmm. and kind of kind of kind of kind of what that looks like. And I want to I want to paint this picture because I, I see it like it's that us versus them, right? Yeah. And a perfect example of this is. Um, or sentiment of this is mm-hmm. um, you have this big movement from the gay community, mm-hmm. queer, transgender, lesbians, mm-hmm. you know, plus dot 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 dot. Yeah. Um, and then you has you have on the other side could be black issues, right? Sure. Um, and then you could have uh, gay black issues all intertwined mm-hmm. in that, yeah. right? And you might have some folks that. Put their gay status ahead of their their their, their black status, mm-hmm. um, and then that's a thing. Like, oh, you should, you know, um, and so 
when we talk about multicultural organizing, I yeah. think multi-ethnic, multi-gender, sure. all of those things. Um, how have you seen that work, not work, um, and things that we can work on in that sure. space where it's not a us versus them, but it can be very easy, especially yeah. when you're when when we all trying to have ask and demands met. Yeah, um, we even may see society pulling. Um, one way and and not the other, mm-hmm. um, and I and I just believe this wholeheartedly. Anything that just pure blackness, this this country has a problem with. Um, um, Anything to what now? Just pure blackness. Any this anti-blackness. Oh yeah, uh, no, this, this is it, a yeah, white supremacist country. Yeah, from, in this country, from so, head to so, toe. <laughs> and so yeah. and, and so um, and I think too that's why many um, many persons. Um, I like to attach other things to that blackness because sure. they feel yeah. they get they get hurt if mm-hmm. instead of it just purely on just mm-hmm. their, just their race and their blackness and being an African American black American. So with all of that, um, examples, you know, how do like, we overcome? Uh, yeah, that? how do we? Or how do like what have you seen? Um, how, how do we overcome that? How do we build true solidarity around mm-hmm. organizing? And mm-hmm. like, what real questions should we all be asking and acknowledging? Like, this exists. Mm-hmm. We need to. We need to do some work internally too, mm-hmm. in order to be able to effectively build organizing. Yeah, I think what you're talking about with like there is just a a prism that everybody goes through when it mm-hmm. comes to when it comes to how their identities and the different uh, marginalized identities that they might be a part of. Um, and yeah, I have absolutely seen, I mean, we were just saying, like, we live in America, like, <laughs> like, we, like we, we live in a racist country. We live in a sexist country. We live in a capitalist country. Like all of these things are just inherent and necessary for, for America as we know it to function. Like our entire society, uh, like our, in the founding of this country, the, it was built upon the backs of stolen African people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it cannot be ignored. Like it's in the soil, like it's in, it's in the air that we breathe. And mm-hmm. to, to try and brush that aside is a component of prejudice. It's a component of racism. And like we should never shy away from examining the way that those things function. Um, and yeah, I, there is a, I think that there is a, problem with there's a problem with racism in every single community regardless Mm -hmm. um and i think in terms of like the queer community like there are people who are white in the queer community and it is super easy for white people to be racist and it is often like of course you don't even in some cases you don't even realize that you're doing it right. and there are gay people that are like explicit white supremacists like that doesn't you know right. i i made this joke uh at a training that i was doing this past weekend that you know queer folk ain't ken folk mm. and that's something that you really have to keep in mind because there's some Queer people e, that I absolutely disagree with, not even, you know, that, uh, you know, whether it be upon like political lines, organizing lines, and some people that are just find fucking annoying. Right. <laughs> so uh, in terms of like ways that I've seen that this have have like gone bad, mm-hmm. um, I think there is definitely the case of uh, the ignorance around the issues that 
like let's say black trans women face mm -hmm. um, in in embodying like a a this sort of like you know multiple intersectioning like identities. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen the way that even in like social justice circles, the way that if say if say like a black trans woman you know is uh, like uh, how should I say this like errs in some way, maybe says something wrong, maybe says something that's rude or what is perceived to have been mean or something mm -hmm. like that. The brigades of people come in just to criticize and pick apart and just torment, like literally mm -hmm. torment, uh, to the point where that person might completely disengage into any of the work that they might be doing. And right. every single time that we do that, we lose uh, you know, we lose we lose a soldier in the class war, right. and like that's something that we need to be cognizant of, and we need to like, we need to understand that like we can have, like, we can have political disagreements. Right. Uh, we can be in the same political organization, have political disagreements. Like, I don't need to be friends with the people that I organize with. I don't right. need to be friends with the people that I do politics with. Right. Um, and that's. Something that you need to always keep in mind that like maybe you just people have this like weird thing and I don't know if it's just American that it's just like it just take the, take the L like just admit like just shut your mouth and just maybe you were wrong or like mm -hmm. maybe you need to be the person to like shut up and listen like mm -hmm. there have definitely been times where like I've overstepped my bounds like I've I've said something that I didn't realize was. Uh, that I didn't realize I was racist. I made a joke that was a little too off color and that it it hurts, not only like hurt somebody's feelings, but like touched into a, a part of their, their identity, their ancestry, their mm -hmm. history that really wounded them. Mm -hmm. And I will freely admit that that has happened. And I have done my best personally, I, I hope to make amends in those sorts of ways. But mm -hmm. Um, I know that like none of us are immune from hurting other people. Exactly. And like, I think especially like there is such a complicated conversation to have around when you are a member of a marginalized identity of the way that you are both feminized and masculinized mm -hmm. of seeing like you're this brute and at the same time you're this weakling and it mm -hmm. goes throughout uh, just throughout history, you know, mm -hmm. you have included with that, you know, you have like the impression of indigenous people, the erasure mm -hmm. of indigenous cultures, all this sorts of things. Now, to your to your question about how we solve this, um, <sighs> solve might be too much of a strong word. Address, <laughs> yeah, address. address. How do we confront? <laughs> how do yeah? How do we how do we take a stab at this? Right. I think I, I think being more um, just once again, just take the L just is, is the fight that you're getting into with this other person around the thing that you said, is it truly worth it when they are, are expressing that the thing that you said hurt you? Right. I think people really need to learn how to fucking apologize, mm -hmm. um, and stop like doubling back and being like, well, I'm sorry that you feel this way. Or like, I'm sorry that my words hurt you. It's right. like, you can construct an apology a little right. bit better than that. Um, but I think also, I think people need to do a lot of political education. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that should be done not just um, on one's own. I think that needs to be done collectively in the yeah. way that we change our ideas. Because there are a lot of people on the left um, who kind of, you know, 
turn away from anything that could be like even be considered like class politics. Right. Um, and of just saying like it's all class, it's class, or, or turn away from uh, they turn away from identity politics in favor of singularly class politics. Right. Now class politics very important cannot be cut out of any of this. However, we do have to keep in mind and actually do a orientation for folks. And uh, I bring up this quote all the time. Um, it is uh, by Walter Rodney, who's this amazing, uh, amazing, uh, I believe he's uh, a Trini author. Okay. And he's, uh, he wrote this book of, called How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Um, and he's quoting CLR James and uh, CLR James is going through this thing talking about imperialism and the way that class interacts with it and the way that mm -hmm. race interacts with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rodney puts out this after he finishes this, after he finishes quoting James and says, you know, it can be expanded further to say that the capitalist class uh, from like the beginning of the United States of America uh, at some points in time would prioritize white supremacy, like the, the uh, punishment, the imprisonment, the slavery of black people over the profit motive of capitalism. They, mm. would, they would go out of their way. They would make less profit just right. so they could be, just so they could keep uh, African people, black people, they could keep all other what they had seen, not white people, right. um, just with another weight on their back, despite the fact that it would have been in contravention to their profit motive. Right. And that's something that I think we always need to keep in our head is sometimes they will go out of their way. Because like, it is great for capitalism to have more consumers. Mm -hmm. Like, it's great to have all of this. You know, right. that's how they make their profit. That's right. how they have, you know, that's how they have, you know, workers in the factories and on the mm -hmm. streets and all this sort of stuff. But sometimes they will, in fact, go out of their way to stoke animus and to oppress. And mm -hmm. we see that through, you know, our uh, Republican and Democratic parties. I think, I can't remember who did this. I think it was Kwame Ture saying like, the United States is a one party is a has a has a one party government, but mm -hmm. in typical American fashion, they have two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, that's that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. I don't know. Um, you know, I I don't think that I adequately answered your question. I think I, you you did. Okay. You, I, I think I think you did. Um, I think you gave like great examples from. Mm -hmm. Um, from a us versus them type of thing, and also mm -hmm. just from a solidarity and how do we build that, but also what's preventing solidarity too. Yeah, I had um, somebody ask me the other day about like building a tenant union mm -hmm. or like building a labor union of like there is a clear history within uh, within at least the labor movement of homophobia. Like we mm -hmm. can't get around like that. There's a clear yeah. history in the labor movement of racism right. of like, what do you do when there's somebody who is in your union who is on the worker's side purportedly um, that is being transphobic, is being homophobic, is being racist. And it's like, you <clears throat> need to... You need to call that out. You need yeah. to un you need to neutralize Unpack his, it, his neutralize or her it. ability to do that. Right, and and they might not. They might be unaware. Exactly. <laughs> and you know they may be unaware, and I think that's what helps mm -hmm. calling it out. Mm -hmm. Because if a person is unaware, you know they they would never just be aware, and so they need to have that called out. And then 
if they really want to be an ally and help mm-hmm. and support and grow, they'll do the they'll do the internal work and accept that. And if mm-hmm. that means even sitting down mm-hmm. and or being in the back for a while mm-hmm. and, and and figuring that out, uh, they'll do that. Yeah, um, I think it's important yeah. in especially in like organized. Uh, situations to have something like a code of conduct, something everybody can see, something you can refer to and being like, hey, this is something that's a part of what we are doing. And your violation of that is alienating this person. And we need as many people in in this as we can. Right. Yeah, no, you know. Um, And maybe through struggle, they'll come to understand it. Or maybe they won't. Well, you know, and that's where like, capitalism uh, comes into play, especially with oppressed, marginalized folks, mm-hmm. um, is because it's like, oh, we, we need money. We've, it to, thrives in, on in, it. In, in this country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need money to organize. We need money to, we need to, re, we need to be able to, to, to buy resources or get resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to solicit grants or whatever it may be yeah. and to do this work, um, which I think conflicts with, with with many organizing tactics and methods mm-hmm. and ideologies um because you have to do it in this in this system mm-hmm. which tell you well yeah you can you can do it on depending on the level or you can the, depending on the level that you do it depends on the amount of money that you have to yeah. be able to do it at right yeah um, I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's hard like i'm a completely volunteer organizer i've never been paid a dime to do any of this and i wish i had been but yeah um, and I don't believe in like the broke organizer either. I, yeah, I, I like, yeah. I like, I like, because like, you like it's reality. You know, yeah. it's like like we need organizers to be housed. We need organizers to be able to eat and 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 have health insurance and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of these things to be whole, so they can do the work at the highest and best level. Like I work a forty-five hour a week job. There have been absolutely there have been recent weeks where I've clocked over forty hours organizing. Like yeah. doing one thir- thing or another, so I've been yeah. working eighty five hours, yeah. and it's like, and we appreciate your dedication, because <laughs> yeah, like, because we got to we got a world, to yeah, win. we got to work, yeah, we got a world we, to win, we got we got to work because mm-hmm. um, whatever the opposition may be for any particular person, they're working just as hard for whatever ideology mm-hmm. uh, agenda that they are trying to push mm-hmm. um, and spread out there in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um, action steps. Action steps. Action steps to for a person to better understand um, the trans community, be an ally, mm-hmm. um, to 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 really just action steps for people to reflect and, sure. and once they listen to this conversation mm-hmm. um, and and hear your lived experience and your journey and the gems that you have been able to give mm-hmm. us, uh, what are some action steps that listeners and viewers could take? Um, that 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 are that are positive, not harmful action steps. Sure, yeah. Um, but that are that are positive, and could could to could move them forward, and maybe something that they're not completely comfortable with, but want to get comfortable with, and um, have a closer proximity to as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, first of all, jump into the DMs. <laughs> 
Mom's Slide in them DMs. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not a mother. I can't be one. Uh, and they uh, won't let people like me adopt. But I do like to, I do, I have been referred to as a den mother. So okay. I, uh, I, I, I promise that is an open invitation. If somebody would like to ask a question of me, then please feel free to reach out. I, uh, I will do my best to answer questions. I'm not a, uh, I'm not an omnipotent source, but I do. I genuinely mean that. You can mm-hmm. find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter or whatever. If you, uh, if you need something like that, I'm actually thinking. I was having a conversation with somebody this weekend, and I might start doing this for my chapter. Maybe small scale of just literally having, in a similar way that we're doing now, of just like closed door. Uh, registration only, uh, frisking at the door of just like literally come in here, ask me literally any grisly question that you yeah. have. I, and whether or not that's good or bad, I've never yeah. seen literally anybody do that. So I figured why not, why not take a crack at it? I, I just you... talked to a man on a podcast about how I got my dick cut <laughs> off. So it's kind of like the cat's out I, of the bag. I, 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 I Mina, I really believe that there needs to be more spaces and they're really brave and safe spaces and civil where yeah. where where community can really come mm-hmm. and ask these daunting questions yeah. and things that they're really thinking that are crazy yeah. uh, but they but they but they're curious and they want and they want to know and they have good intentions i um, do not want people uh, if you got to learn it, I'd rather you learn it from me. Mm-hmm. So if you need somebody who is safe, if you need somebody who's going to be gentle, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not gonna like, you know, we're gonna have a level of respect here. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, I do literally answer every direct message that I get. So watch out for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Sometimes you get some fun folks, but, uh, yeah, I would say on top of like, I will put myself out there as a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're really trying to like, I think if you're doing some like isolated like type of political education, because be clear, this is political education. Right. You're trying to, uh, you're trying to you know raise your consciousness to something right. that you don't know a lot about, right. and it's okay to not lo- know a lot about shit. Right. Like I know, I have been told from a young age to today that I. Uh, I'm not terribly smart, but I work hard, and that's okay. <laughs> right. Um, and. I would say I think it is important to read or like listen to podcasts. I don't really have many podcasts about trans stuff because I kind of am one. But yeah, um, <laughs> and maybe you should start one. You know, maybe, maybe that's maybe because we need that. We need, Look, we need if that. you literally, if you want to invite me on another time, if oh, there's any definitely. future projects, please reach out. I'm happy to yeah, sure. be a part of any sort of thing. Because I think as, I'm such a ham that I am willing to talk on well, the microphone well, whenever. Well, because I think like it's like I don't identify identify what everything sure. so it's like it'd be irresponsible for me not to invite folks like yourself and others mm-hmm. that are a part of communities that I'm not yeah. a part of I might be an ally but mm-hmm. I'm not a part of yeah. um in a personal intimate way yeah. and this is how I grow this is how I explore and and learn and 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 just get other diversities of thoughts about other things mm-hmm. um so yeah you'll definitely be back yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're definitely coming back. Absolutely. More than yeah. I'm very flattered to even be there, uh, be here, I should say. Um, I would say, yeah, I think it is, I think it's really important to read. Um, I think it's important to um, kind of sit there and process stuff. Um, 
I didn't get to tell the story about like when I knew, uh, but I will say like a huge part of my own political education as a part of this was even just learning history. Like mm -hmm. even just learning that like this, this idea of transitioning is not new. Like there is a long, long down to ancient beginning of history, mm -hmm. um, like tradition and cultural phenomenon as, as such a thing as transitioning. I mean, it was in the Americas, it was in, it was in Europe, it was every single continent had this. Um, and that was important to me. I can't tell you why, but it was. Um, I find, and the book that really changed that for me, it's actually quite a slim little thing. Um, it's called, it was originally called The Gay Question. It was written by Bob McCubbin. Uh, I believe now it's called uh, Roots of Lesbian and Gay Oppression, A Marxist View, which sounds intimidating, but it's mm -hmm. actually quite easy to read. Right. Um, and I think that there's, uh, it's hard because like there are a lot of like, liberal resources mm -hmm. that I feel like are inadequate even to understand this. And I think that there is kind of a gap in terms of like actual leftist, socialist, Marxist, whatever you want to call it, like explanations of these things. Mm -hmm. So you're not alone out there if you find yourself like not finding resources. Right. And I think it does take people searching and it takes people talking and I'm not going to put that type of work. I want to be explicit here. I don't think every trans person should do stuff like this. Like, right. I think that it can be enervating. I think it can be exhausting for some people. Mm -hmm. I uh, love talking about myself and have <laughs> zero shame anymore because I've been through a lot. Right. And I think it's important to be, to be kind, um, which is not to say that having boundaries isn't being kind, but right. um, yeah, I, I think you should search for resources. I think you should, you know, there are things at like LGBTQ centers, like the Oasis Center is good. If you're wanting to look for local stuff. Um, uh, and it also kind of like depends on the type of resources because some of it can be historical, some of it can be scientific, some of it can just be, you know, cultural or something right. like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, I'm a big movie head. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I like a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, if you've never seen, well, this is not specifically about trans women. I think it is about a culture. There are two movies that I would recommend. Um, one is called Paris is Burning, uh, okay. which I'm no, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, heard, I am familiar with that. Yeah, it's great film, great documentary. I think it's extremely powerful in just learning about the struggles, uh, the beginning of like drag culture, about the about like the oppressions that people face in a very like raw and real way. Mm -hmm. It's also this documentary called Check It. I, I never okay. hear like a lot of people talk about it, but it is a documentary about a gang in DC and it is a queer gang. Okay. Um, and it arose out of a lot of queer women, whether they be trans, whether they be lesbian, like femme lesbians or butch lesbians or whatever. Um, just getting the shit kicked out of them. Mm. And they kind of like, they effectively decided like, we need a form of community defense for our community. So right. they like literally like, uh, calling it a gang is hard, but you know, like there are videos of them just jumping somebody who tried to kick the shit out of one of their sisters and just beat the fuck out, like a right. world star video. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it is an important 
film to watch because you see the lengths at which people go to, the things mm -hmm. that people suffer, um, and stuff like that. I think yeah. doing that type of research, um, yeah, just start educating yourself, start having like, start having these thoughts. Right. I, like I said, I'm open. I know the Oasis Center is, is there. I know like the, uh, Casey Potter Center is there. Okay. I know the G like the local, um, a GSA is here. I don't really know how terribly active they are. Okay. Um, but those are all different organizations that might could provide you some stuff, but always okay. have a, have a, you know, an eye outs there for things like racism, things like sexism or just purely capitalism. Like right. I don't need rainbow capitalism. I don't give a fuck about Tim, Tim cook or anything <laughs> like that. I don't get, I don't care that he's gay. He's still, right. he's, he's still a member of the oppression class, the right. oppressor class. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's that's what I got for you. Uh, hopefully, uh, I can provide more in the future. Yeah. But... Look, I, 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 you gave us a masterclass. Oh, um, you really did. Um, and like, I'm pretty sure I asked some questions that everybody would just really want to know mm -hmm. um, in the process. Um, but also just thought provoking. I mm -hmm. think just being able to just think about things differently, sex, mm -hmm. gender, transitioning, what that mm -hmm. looks like, what, what what's that process like for a yeah. person um, um, that goes through that. And also just like like being knowledgeable and aware about other people's like struggles and, and mm -hmm. things they have to like carry and, mm -hmm. and, and, and still try to show up as themselves every day yeah. and, 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 and how difficult did it be when you can't show up as yourself yeah. um, because of a system, because of a workplace, uh, because of safety, danger, mm -hmm. all of these things. Yeah. And so yeah. I appreciate you sharing all those elements of your story and connecting it back to community and connecting it back to how we can, like, like connecting back how you can be a resource to other community members mm -hmm. to, to have that conversation and in a respectable way, but be open and non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you um mina for for be, for being who you are standing on standing on business as we say um and just like doing the work <laughs> and so thank you uh and you're now a part of that esteemed group of people that mm -hmm. have sat in that chair mm -hmm. and that have just gave us a master class and i know this is going to reach a lot of people it feels like um, a throne at this uh, point yeah yeah no like like it's gonna I know there's gonna a lot of people who i deeply respect who have well, been on this podcast well, and you know i look I'm, forward I'm to more folks i'm pretty sure it's mutual from the other end <laughs> and i just appreciate everybody that has been mm -hmm. on and now you that just open up and be vulnerable mm -hmm. and allow me to be vulnerable. Allow yeah. me to admit some things. Allow me to say, hey, this is where I was. I don't know everything. Yeah. Um, that's why you're here to teach me so I can learn and grow. And so um, and just and just looking around and realizing like, mm -hmm. hey, like my proximity to this particular community mm -hmm. is like hundreds, hundreds of miles away. Let me bring them closer yeah. so I can understand yeah. and I can be better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Lastly, I want I how how can people I know you said sign them DMs. How else can people like reach you, email, mm -hmm. or is DMs the best way? And mm -hmm. is there any last punchline that you want to leave with us? <laughs> um yeah, great question. I'd give out my phone number, but that's sometimes where the death threats yeah. come from. If I wouldn't I'm being do, I wouldn't do it. Be, um, uh, and I don't got a burner, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't get not I wouldn't, anymore. I would. I wouldn't give your phone number out. Okay, uh, if, fair if, enough. Fair but enough. 
Um, your handle. So, what's your what's your what's your handle on social social? Um. So my Twitter account, or, or well, my Twitter account uh, is well. Actually, I start with Instagram because I, I I answer a good <laughs> bit more DMs from there, and you can actually see that's. You know, we didn't get to talk about it, but that has been a like a five year project at this point of mm. just like I take a picture of myself every single day. And if you go through, I did make a video of like stringing together every single one from the from the first day that I started transitioning to like May of this year. Oh, wow. So you get to see a four year total every single day transition of not just like when I have a good day, but every single day. Now we all going to go and look. Yeah, go for it. I need more TikTok views. <laughs> <laughs> I did put it on my Instagram too. Okay. Um, but yeah, on on uh, on Instagram. Instagram, I uh, I believe my handle is uh, is just my middle name is just Laszlo, but the at is unlovingly your wife. Okay. Um, and then my Twitter is uh, is Screwball Detector because um, <laughs> there's a lot of them out there. Um, so you can look that up. Okay. I think Detector is spelled like D E T. CTR or something like that because okay. the real one was taken unfortunately um, okay. but yeah you can hit me up on there like I said I answer every single DM so if one of you freaks out there want to DM me trust me I will answer and we can play that game of chicken if you really want to I gladly squeeze a few bucks out of you freaks <laughs> um, last thoughts any statements you want to leave with this um, I you know, we didn't get to talk about the socialism thing, but I think everybody should join DSA. Okay. Uh, if you're in Nashville or the surrounding Middle Tennessee area, join DSA. Hit us up. Uh, reach out to me, even if it's about that. Um, and, yeah, happy to talk about it. And, Jerome, I just want to extend a very hearty uh, hearty thanks for you inviting me on here once again. Sure. It is an honor. I feel very flattered <laughs> that you accepted me. So, And, frankly... <laughs> I had a lovely time. You're such a lovely man. I oh, really appreciate you. it. You're I, I try very to be. kind. I try. I try. You're to also be. very funny. I, I, look, I try to be. And look, I, I look. I accept everybody, mm -hmm. kind of, sort of. <laughs> and look. so, so, <laughs> so look. There's I, some people who deserve <laughs> not to be accepted. I, I, I'll put I, it out I, there. I, I, I'm gonna accept everybody, but mm -hmm. um, no. I'm, thank you again, Mina. Um, mm -hmm. And till next time, because they're gonna be a part two, three, four, five, because. I think it's just so necessary. Um, and then when you do your own kind of private events and mm -hmm. when you do your podcast and all that stuff, <laughs> um, I can be like, yes, she's doing it. And whatever I can yeah. do to, to assist and help and help mm -hmm. build with you, yeah. I'm here. Anytime, any place, happy to sit down, happy to raise hell, happy to give a speech <laughs> if anybody needs me to do that, like yeah. I said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great to be on Deep Dish Conversations. Great to be here with Jerome. Y'all hear that? She, she, she's, I'm great. And she's great. And yes. this platform is great. Yes. Until next time, thanks, Mina. And uh, thank y'all for watching and listening. Have a good day, everybody.